everyone. The 41 Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so formal, so formal. Thank Hello. you. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Hello Sorry, to you, man. Was, Hello to you. Thank you. I was off. I was a little bit off put by the fact that um, Jimmy was conducting the intro music with whiteboard pens. That's true. He's I a teacher. That. He's a teacher. Yeah, not a conduct, not a orchestra teacher. <laughs> orchestra teacher. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say conductor, but I tried. I don't know. Anyway, hey, what's happening, guys? Uh, I just moved house, which is Ooh, pretty terrible. Yeah. Fantastic. Not, not the funnest thing in the world. Yeah. I don't, I don't mind the physical moving of boxes and the physical moving of furniture. I don't mind that. You know yeah. the worst bit is the putting things in the boxes and then uh, having to take them out at the other place. Uh, I hate, and that, you know that transition phase, which yeah, you're probably in right now, yep, right now, is yep. when you're living half in boxes yeah. and you're still trying to find homes. Yeah, like yesterday oh. I think I needed to find a remote to something nah. and it took me about half an hour. Yeah, you yeah, could have. Yeah. Imagine, yeah, you should have just got up and turned the TV. You said like, oh, you can't do it anymore. No, it's it was, it was easy. It was like the Apple TV yeah. one or something. Something yeah. that I couldn't, anyway. Hey, tell Ryan about um, your first thoughts when you went and looked at the house before you moved in. Oh, you mean as I was as I was moving the boxes into my new house? Yeah. <laughs> oh, for real? You didn't actually check out the house beforehand? No, no this is actually probably... He doesn't, this is a thing for Jimmy. Yeah, I think he this is the fourth residence I've lived in. Uh, where I haven't actually seen the house before I've um, signed the papers and moved in. I don't know if I could do that. (laughs) Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? That's a weird thing to do. It is different. I guess I just don't um, care. Do you read the menu when you go to a restaurant or do you just go open and go, give me number seven, I don't care what it is. No, no, food's very important to me. Okay. Yeah. Housing is not. Like shelter. Do you go to Macca's and go, do you go to Macca's and go, I'll have one serving of McDonald's, please surprise me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I I just, uh, I guess, I guess either I trust the people who have been making the decisions on my behalf or I just don't care that much. It's one or the other. You obviously don't care that much. Here's the thing, Paul. You check it out if you cared. You go home and you just go, eh, I don't know. There is there food in the house? There seems like to be. you don't make a choice in in no, the menu. No, yeah, that's true. That's right. That's true. So, uh, it's a lucky dip every night. What, what's for dinner? Yeah, it is. It is that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, what else has been happening? What's been well, happening? Well, to hang, you, on Paul? hang on, you two guys are looking a bit more tan than usual. I, I got mean, mine. I mean, you're both still massively not tanned, but you're looking a little. <laughs> bit, oh, that hurts, man. That hurts. You're looking a little bit more tan than usual. Yeah, well, yeah. Why would that be? Uh, oh, we did a day out in the in the in the yard yesterday. Nah, we play this game again, are we? Paul? <laughs> we just we we went to uh, Dubai for the weekend, eh? Yes, we did. Yeah, yeah. We did. just just a just a sneaky weekend trip to Dubai. Oh, you know, you know, sometimes you might uh, go to the movies. Yeah, guys, sometimes you go to a restaurant. Guys, sometimes you go to Dubai. For those um those picture te- text messages while I'm at work and and, <laughs> and you guys are like riding camels. You're Cheers welcome. for that. Yeah. You're welcome, man. Beautiful sun like rises or sets or whatever Sunsets. they were. Share some Insta posts, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yep. I still have sand actually coming out of these shoes. <laughs> oh, same. Like sand just got everywhere. Unbelievable. That desert is like powder sand. Mm. Oh, like really, like really fine. Yeah. Oh, mm. Okay. Good fun. So tell tell me something about your trip. Uh we uh, almost died a yes, couple of times. Yep. So, yeah. Paul's Paul's more upset about this than you, Ryan. Why is that? Ryan um, would have, Ryan, I was on the other side of the car. He, he would have been would've, T-boned. Yeah, he would have <laughs> walked away. So we, um, it's funny because the people over there are really quite friendly, very polite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if but if they're in a car, they're just jerks. Yeah, but <laughs> I think that translates to to like every culture. Yeah, but times oh, a thousand. No, no, no. Like this was literally one of the most intense driving experiences of all my life. Yeah, and you were in, and you did the amazing race. Yeah, yeah, and and there was a couple and, of pretty intense driving situations. And there was there, that but, Russian sliding on the ice episode. Oh, it was mental. But like these people are doing 160 clicks. On a freeway, and they're like less than a meter away from the car in yeah, front. Yeah, and they'll take each other like in the breakdown lane. Oh, so anyway, yeah, right. we're we're leaving. Um, we were on this um like desert safari, and as we're leaving, uh, our driver is in the breakdown lane. So he's parked. We're all getting in the car. He's in the breakdown lane on the freeway. Yeah. So everyone's flying past the 160. He does a U-turn on the freeway. 
Across four lanes of but traffic or whatever. But like across his own lane first and then across- Through the, through the, inter- the, the, the middle I'm, intersection. Or I'm whatever. not even mad. I'm just impressed. Yeah. Well, yeah, except that he didn't look. Oh, okay. <laughs> so then there's a car coming off on our side that yeah. almost T-boned us. And locked then that, up. Locked up. Yeah, locked yeah. it up. And then he did a U-turn over the freeway as well and then started chasing us yeah. down. So- um. So how, right. <laughs> yeah. So how many uh, how many camels do you encounter on the freeway? Uh, we saw a camel eating garbage on the side of the road. Yes, we did. That was great. <laughs> yes, we did. Uh, no, they got like massive fences up everywhere, so the camels just can't roam around because I think that is a big problem. They just walk out onto the freeway and bang. So are there stacks? Yeah. Of, so camels are actually like a thing. There's yeah. stacks of them. Yeah. They're a thing. I, I just thought that like maybe you could hire one to like for transport or whatever. We tried, but um, yeah, it's not so easy. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So like much a, easier a camel's, just to ho- hire a Ford. A camel's over there, like kangaroos over here. Like is in that you, they're just kind of everywhere. Uh, like in Castle Hill. Well, not, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like if you go anywhere slightly rural in Australia, there, there's kangaroos everywhere. Um, no, they're way more common. In, in Camels are way more yeah, common. Yeah, really? Yeah. That seems epic. Cause uh, camels are like, kangaroos aren't that common. Like there's millions of them, sure, but when you drive, it's not like you you have to pay attention for the um like oh yeah, watch there's out for the other cars, or anything, yeah. watch sure out for kangaroos. Sure, as soon as you get outside of the, outside of the city, it's dawn or dusk, you know, there's, there's a you know, kangaroos. like you might see one, maybe. Yeah. Oh, depends where you go. Usually see them when they're just knocked off the, on the side of the road. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever done that? Nah. Richard oh, and I did no, no, Richard no. and I took out a kangaroo at, at full speed on the Didn't freeway. Didn't you hit an emu once? Yeah, emu. Paul took out hates full, our native animals. I took out the full coat of arms. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> That's when you know you're a true Australian, hey, when you've taken out the whole full coat of arms. Or yeah. eating it. Yeah, but anyway, that was us. That was us. We had a yep. little bit of fun in Dubai. Okay, yeah, so that sounds good. Just fly and fly out. And I'm mm. not going to lie, a little bit upset that I was uh, you know, back here in Sydney. But yeah. well, I, I sent you a link to uh, the Eddie Had website. You are the one that didn't buy a ticket. <laughs> that's awkward. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I guess that's how it plays out. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't buy a ticket. Don't get to go. So, uh, who have we got coming in joining us tonight? Yeah, uh, tonight we've got Karen Staines. She's the care minister and women's minister for St Paul's Castle Hill. Awesome. Yep, so I'm I'm expecting to walk out of here feeling very careful. Or ha- <laughs> you got high expectations, yeah. Yeah. haven't you? Yes. You're probably supposed to feel how how to care for other people. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I've got it way uh, wrong there. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> You're just taking. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not good at all. Care yeah. for me. Care but, for me now. But you know what, Paul? I appreciate that rebuke. Okay. Well, hey, look. Uh- <laughs> so we've got Karen coming in uh, shortly, uh, and one of the things she's going to be touching on is domestic violence, and I guess it's quite coincidental that it's White Ribbon Day today. So they had the march from Castle Towers down to the RSL. Yep. We unfortunately couldn't make it, but our boy Rich went along to the march and uh, he actually went along there with uh, quite a few members of St. Paul's who were also showing their support for that. So one of the things that Rob Critchlow was talking about in one of our previous podcasts was about this women's shelter that they were looking at setting up. And that was, I think, announced and launched today where they handed over the keys. So that's pretty exciting stuff. And it's great that our church can get involved in that. I think we've got uh, Rich managed to get a, a bit of a soundbite and uh, chat with Rob Critchlow. So I think we should probably shoot to that. So just here with Superintendent Rob Critchlow from Castle Hill Police. Rob, describe today. Um, today's uh, astounding. It's uh, it's an event that's grown very quickly over a few months uh, from a bit of a bit of an idea that I had to bring a lot of good people together. Mm. Uh, as we've discussed before, you know, the, the Hills is a great community and people want to help out. And uh, everyone was doing their own little bit in different ways. So I felt that we needed to have a unifying event. Mm. And I've suggested this idea to a few of the committees and they've all jumped on board 
Yourself will see that the RSL jumped on board very quickly. And uh, you can see the results. We've got a street full of good people. We've got a room full of good people. Everyone's on board. Uh, we're opening the refuge today. A lot of stuff we've talked about as concepts has come together. Yep. Uh, I had no idea, idea how many people would come. I thought we'd have a few friends, but we've got a full room and a full street, and it's, um, it's great. So we, we've heard about the refuge today and all that the police are doing to serve and com- are committed to that. Yep. What's the next steps? Um, building upon the foundations, I think it's, uh, as I said, you know, um, today's the start of, of a journey. Uh, the refuge is going to take a lot of money to keep open, so on a simple level we need to keep the place going yeah. so we have safety for women going forward. We can't open the place and then shut because we haven't got any money, so we need to raise money. Uh, awareness is one thing, but awareness doesn't pay the bills. So we need to really commit to that. Um, and uh, I want to have a community in the hills where people are happy to ring us and say, my neighbour's in trouble which I think they, they think they want to do, but sometimes like the conference. So if we can have that situation where um, more people step up and speak up, um, you know, speak up, stand up and act against violence, as the, as the oath says, uh, we'll be going forward. Great. Thanks for all your time. Great. Thank you. Cheers. So what a great thing that we've actually got this refuge now in Absolutely, our local yeah. area. I mean, mm. it's a terrible thing to have to need. Yeah. But I guess considering we do have that need, it's amazing that it's there. And as Rob said, uh, if you are of financial capacity – then we need the money yeah, to, yeah. to be able to run this thing. Yeah, we need to we need to support these kind of causes within our community for sure. And I think something like that march just shows the great community support that's out mm. there, uh, and it certainly shows that you can get uh, get together um, behind an organisation like that, but you can also get together as a larger community, part of your church group, whatever, yep. and, and get in there and support awesome causes like that. So that's awesome. Okay, well, let's have a chat to Karen. All right, we've got Karen Staines here, the Care Minister for St. Paul's, uh, here with us. So, uh, welcome, Karen. Thank you. Hey, Kaz. Hey. Oh, Kaz. You've yeah. already I taken know, it I to figured, that place. Paul, okay, I Paul, Paul always gets cosy with all our guests straight away. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the 421. So, you're the Care Minister at St. Paul's. Uh, what, what does that mean? Uh, it means that I'm responsible for care across the church. It doesn't mean that I have to care for everyone in the church, but it's my job to do the best at training people raising care issues, helping people, um, organising care. So you're saying like just because we've got a care minister doesn't mean I can just sit back and let you do the all the good work? <laughs> do all the caring stuff? Well, you or know. Or does it? <laughs> <laughs> we very much believe in the priesthood of all believers, that it's not just the priest or the ordained person who has a ministry, but every person who belongs to Jesus has a ministry. And one of those, you know, only need to go through the New Testament, particularly, where we're called to love one another. So very much, I think, caring is loving one another, looking out for one another. Mm. We have to be different. Jesus calls us to be different to the people in our culture who are so focused on me. He's saying, no, others, think about other people. Yeah. So, Karen, how did you end up at St. Paul's? How long have you been here for? And um, what led you to this role? God's leading, and I always say he's got a great sense of humour to have me um, working here at St. Paul's. My kids grew up, became a bit more independent, so I had a bit of time, and I decided that I'd like to go to Bible college. Been a Christian for many years and wanted to really get into the Bible and know more about what I believed. I never for a minute thought that I would ever work full-time for a church. I really just thought it was doing something for me once my kids were a little bit more independent. And God 
um, through a series of events, led my husband and I to come to St Paul's. Um, I've been on the staff here for nearly six years, which means we've been at the church for nearly seven years. So tell us a little bit more about your family. You know, who's what makes up your family? I'm married to Gavin and we've been married for 35 years and we have three children. Um, Cara is married to Mark, Mitchell is married to Jen and Anthea is the only one at home. Anthea's at university um, and it was when she was finishing primary school and about to go to high school that I went, hey, I've got a bit of time on my hands. I think I'll go and go to Bible college. And look what happened, hey? Yeah. <laughs> but I always think it's good. Because so many women think that looking after their kids is all they've got. And when their kids grow up, they wonder who they are and what they're meant to do. Mm. And so if nothing else, I think um, my example says to women, you are, it's great that you're a mum and you'll always be a mum and love your kids. But when you, um, when your kids become independent, You've done a really good job, and so now it's time to do something for you. Mm. And so, I, I, you know, I'd hate to think that there are women who are sitting at home pining because they don't have children to look after. Get out and do some volunteering. Go to university. Get mm. some education. Change. Have I had a, a, a total career change, mm. and um, I just just think that we have so many education opportunities, and it doesn't have to be young women only who, who have them, mm. that it doesn't matter how old you are, you can go and get some education. I can't imagine the kids having any um, any independence. <laughs> oh, actually, no, I got a glimpse tonight. If hey. anyone's met my son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He doesn't even want you to have any independence. <laughs> the, um, actually, Hayley put together one of her... Hayley's ta- your daughter, for yeah. those people that... Yeah, know. she put together her taco tonight, and it was like a glimpse of what, you know, what there will be to come. It was exciting. <laughs> How much mess was there? Heaps. Like yeah. It was chaos. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that's a start. It's <laughs> oh, amazing. So tell us a little bit more about what the care ministry uh, at St. Paul's is like. What, what sort of things are, are you involved in? What sort of things do you, do you help facilitate? So our primary place for caring at St. Paul's is in small groups. Uh, small group is, um, say, a Bible study. But we don't call it a Bible study because it's more than coming together and studying the Bible. It's, it's like a little church um, where people get to know each other intimately and through the Word. So it's not just reading the Bible and, and saying, Holy Spirit, tell me what this means. It, it's sharing your life with those people and it's, it's um, asking them questions and helping one another mm. so that if something happens, like you get sick, You've got people that you're, you've been meeting with regularly that you know, that you're intimate with. They know your family situation. They know your work situation. Um, and they're the people that you want to care for you, people who know you and know your situation. Mm. And really, when a small group has that intimacy, I don't mean clickiness where people aren't welcome to come in, mm-hmm. but that intimacy, it's a great place to be known and to care for others. So really, if everything was working great, I wouldn't have that much of a job. Mm. <laughs> well, it's interesting you know, you're talking about um, small groups and it's not just about just reading the Bible. Because, I, I mean, my experience in, in being in Bible studies when I was younger and, and growing up and then a young adult and all that kind of stuff, it, it seemed to always be um, 
comprehension questions. Like, mm. uh, read this passage. Okay, now there's five questions on a page. Yep, the answer to that question is on in verse three. The answer to that question is verse seven. Very, very kind of, and and then pray, and then we'll go home. And what I've probably only it's only been the last couple of years where I've um, been in a couple of um, different small groups over the last couple of years that I've really found this. Um, Authentic, authenticity in the way that people are communicating and sharing and um, and a bit of rawness and honesty. Mm. And it is as much about opening the Bible and reading it as it is about opening up your lives and mm. talk about the stuff that you might not want to talk about, but you need to talk about. Sure. And there have to be some really strict guidelines around that. Like, mm. like turn up? <laughs> turn up's <laughs> a good one. That's key. Like you yeah. have 15 people, a group of 15 people that has seven People yeah. turn up each week, I know, and people yeah. don't come because I'm tired. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm tired. Okay, You've got so, such a caring attitude. Yeah. You really should consider I, care ministry. I feel like <laughs> if you're looking for an assistant, Karen. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Suck so, it up, Princess. Just you know so, what, though? If you, the just more don't let anyone call in sick to him. <laughs> oh, call in sick. Fine. But, like, actually, there's, there's not, I'm tired. <laughs> Okay, well, you'd be tired if you're at home. You're going to go to bed at 7.30? I think what I do as a small group leader is I try to make my group exciting and fun and enjoyable so that people know, hey, if I don't come, I'm actually missing out on something. Yeah. You know, you're missing out on sharing in people's lives. You're missing out on having a laugh. Mm. You're missing out on hearing what God's got to say to you in his word. Yeah. And I think that as we... Within the security, within the security of a group where we know that what we're saying is confidential, where we know that no question is stupid, Mm. where we know we're respected, where we can say anything and we will be treated with respect. When within that, there becomes a a group and a situation where you don't want to miss it. Mm. Mm, Because God's going to turn up and God's going to speak and you're really going to miss out. Yeah, And that sounds like the perfect church though, doesn't it? Well, it does, you know. And what we have to do, I think, is just keep working towards it in the power of the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. A large portion of my ministry is like when people get too old to go to a small group, when they get too sick to go to a small group, when they are emotionally not in the place to be able to to go to a small group, then there still is a ministry for people then. But if if the majority of people are being cared for in their small group, then those who are gifted carers, if they see that as their ministry, they can focus on maybe people who need a little bit more intense or – um, focused care, mm. Mm. hands-on you know, care. Yeah, you yeah. know, like I think really people who've built this church and they've been coming to this church for forty years, and or fifty years or sixty years, and mm. they get sick and they're in a nursing home and they can't come to church anymore. Mm. Do we just forget about them? Mm. You know, we have a responsibility to them. So that's a different part of care. Um, and and people who are quite sick. Which is why we have wonderful people in our church who go out and mow lawns and do gardens and um, change light bulbs and make meals mm. Mm. Uh, because there are some people who, for certain reasons, there are some people who just don't want to go to a small group. Yeah. yeah. And in a way, they might not get cared for. But there are some people who, because of their situation, just simply cannot. They're at the hospital too much. They're having tests. There's 
mental health issues. Mm. Um, we have to then try and care for them. So that's an important part of, of my role as well. And, you know, prayer is a really important part of care. I just put care and prayer together because we can't do it in our own strength, but God cares for each one of us and he can show us how and give us the strength and the ability and the wisdom to care for people. Mm. So that's a really important part of care as well. So, Karen, as a care minister, um, what are the sorts of things that you find um, that people in the church are maybe struggling with or need support with? I guess it would be you could be forgiven for looking around after a church service and, and thinking, what do you mean? Like no one, no one here needs care. Everyone looks like they're doing perfectly fine. Obviously, that's not the case, but this is the way that sometimes that we appear. So, what are, I mean, what is... What does your job really look like? I'm never going to know everything that's going on in a church. No one person will, which is why small groups are so important. But I think it's important for us to remember that when we come together in church, people might look great, but that might not mean that they are great. Some people can say hello and just in discussion can get someone to open Mm. up about what's going on in their life. Sometimes I'll say to people, how are you going? And they'll give me the stock standard, yeah, I'm fine. And I I can just tell in their eyes that they're not fine. Mm. And I'll say to them, okay, now you've given me the answer you think that I want to hear. Do you want to tell me how you really are? Right. Now, people aren't going to just come out and tell anyone that. Mm. It's all about relationships. Mm. So you have to have a relationship with a person before you're going to tell them anything. Is this a safe person? Are they going to go and laugh about me? Are they going to go and tell everyone? Mm. There's got to be that safety And you just have to know the statistics that in any group of people, there are going to be people who have had tests for cancer and they're waiting for results. Mm. There are going to be people who have relatives who are dying. There are going to be people whose kids are giving them trouble. Maybe Mm. their kids are getting into drugs or Mm. there's going to be financial difficulties. There's going to be marriage problems. We look fine, but we are all pretty good at putting on a brave face. Mm. Yeah. And we have to do that. It's we go to work, we have to put on a brave face. Mm. But there also must be a place where we trust people enough to say, you know, I need some help. Mm. Yeah, I guess, I mean, look, it's, it's pretty sad to say, but life's full of tragedy. I mean, if you look around, it's probably more likely that the person you're talking to is having a hard time with something than everything being perfect, right? I mean, there's not yeah. many. I like, mean, you go around prayer points at a Bible study group or something, it's pretty rare that everyone that someone goes, actually, everything's pretty yeah. good. And they, and often they, they might just not be telling you anyway. Mm. Do you find that that's like often the case in, 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 a, in a church or particularly a big church like that where people do put on that brave face? I think that we all do that in society. We'll go to work, we'll go to our friends' places, we'll go to church, we'll go anywhere. And the minute we walk out the door, we've got our everything's fine face on. Mm. Mm. There has to be a place where, well, there, I guess there doesn't have to be, but we, we would like to believe that there can be a place where we can be real. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting because especially maybe with, with the younger generations as well now, um, with social media, uh, they, they've, they've done some studies on, on Facebook um, statuses and Instagram posts and it was something like 30%, people appear 30% happier than they really yeah, I are. I that. Which is really interesting. So we're really good at creating this perception of who we want to be, who, or, who, are for. or who we want, <laughs> or who we want people to think we, think we are, or how we are. Like I, I'm you- not going to put on Facebook. Um, you know, I, I I don't know. I, I just had a massive. I, I mean, some people do this, but 
generally, I'm not going to put on Facebook, oh, I just had a massive fight with my wife and yeah. um, and I swore at her. Or, you know, just something, yeah. just something like that. I'm not going to put that on Facebook. But I will put on there, I had a, just had a lovely dinner and mm. feel so blessed. And So, I mean, obviously there are appropriate and inappropriate places to put these kind of information, this kind of information out there. But I think the dangerous part is that we're all consuming it. So we're all seeing, oh, you know, Joe Everyone Blogs over there, well. his life is so great mm. and, and, and her life looks perfect and look at their stuff that they've got and look how great their relationship is. And a lot of the time it's just not real. Most of the time it's just not real. Mm. We all have something going on in our life. We all have problems of some sort. And, you know, we do have to be careful who we share them with. That's why I'm saying we have to know who we can trust. You don't want to go telling your problems to someone who's not going to respect them. Mm. So there's a huge trust and a huge relationship issue. But really, anyone who thinks that they are fooling everyone, they're mistaken. Mm. Everyone has problems. No one's marriage is perfect. No one's job is perfect. No one's kids are perfect. So if someone's trying to put over that their marriage and their job and their house and their kids are perfect, there's something going on, I reckon. I guess that's probably the reason why small groups are, are so vital because when you're talking about needing that relationship and needing that uh, emotional connection with someone to really understand where they're going and what's going on and for, for them to be able to open up and share, you know, without small groups in a large church like this, there is no one who knows what's going on or who's, you know, people feel comfortable to share with. Or accountable to as well. Yeah. Mm. Something that's interesting, I mean, I've been in small groups for like 20 years, but the only You're time- old, man. <clears throat> pretty old. Yeah. Um, Karen can hear you, dude. <laughs> um, you don't look that old to me, Paul. Thanks. Wow. Um, See, that's sucking up at the beginning works for you. Didn't it? Oh, every, everything's hurting though. Um, anyway, so um, I, I've been in small groups for 20 years, but the only time that I ever felt like I was in a group that had where there was actually some real support was in the group that, that Ryan, Ryan and I were in where we had no, no change in the members. Mm. which is like when I first joined and I, and I was like, oh, hang on, you guys, are, how, how could this group be closed off to new members? That felt, it seemed like the wrong thing to do because that was, you know, that's, I don't know, it's not what, what, what you- We're about what, growing. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, but then what happened is that everyone got to know each other really well. Um, everyone was supporting, uh, supporting each other, praying for each other, and there was real actual growth in a group that I've never seen before. Mm. Um, everyone showed up every week. It was pretty – like out of the eight people, you'd get seven every week. Mm. If it was down at six, it was pretty rare. If someone was not there two weeks in a row or four weeks in a row, like if they went uh, overseas and did Amazing Race or something and didn't <laughs> tell anyone about it, <laughs> then – You thought they were in an MH360 MH, uh, plane or whatever right, then, it was. Well, so did you just kind of loose like, and just go, oh, he's, he's obviously um, – no, like, Well, the thing is that – it was it was a big deal that someone was gone for a month. Like, what the hell is going on? It was mm. so rare. And that was a group of just, I've never, like that that sort of um, consistency and support and growth. We eventually decided that we had to grow, <laughs> which is sort of funny after saying all that. But no, no, um, I think you go, through, you go through phases in those sorts of things where you have a, a time of, of, of digging your deep, roots down deeper and, and, and sort of feeding into each other and building the connections uh, within your group so that you actually... Um, are able to support you each other and be real, and you need that with it with a level of intimacy you can't get. I think if you've got a revolving door, but then obviously the important thing is to go cool. We're established now. Let's open this up and let's get more guys in and let's grow and and get that same bond for those those other people so that we can 
sharpen them so we can challenge them so we can care for them so we can support them. I think that's right. You need to establish the culture of the group Mm. and then the new people coming in and I agree with you, it can't be closed for a long period of time Mm. but the new people coming in come into the culture and they have to join the culture. Mm. It's not an option. Mm. Your role predominantly deals with women and um, and just happens today that there was a a march about violence against women. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that and how that impacts on your role? So I'm the women's minister as well as the care minister. So I'm responsible for care for everyone. And that is mainly teaching, enabling. But as in my role as the women's minister, I um, have the opportunity to speak one-on-one with women. Mm. And today we, there was the white ribbon march here in Castle Hill. And we had a group of, of, from St. Paul's Church, went down and marched and then went to the breakfast. Mm -hmm. And um, I loved supporting that Mm. because I think Castle Hill is a fairly affluent area and we see that typical thing of beautiful big homes, beautiful cars, beautiful jobs, beautiful families, and yet behind those beautiful doors there's Mm. a lot of violence going on. There are a lot of problems. And... um, as was said today, what a pity that we have to have um, a – so the, the, at, at the breakfast, the keys for a women's refuge were handed over and so we now have a women's refuge in our area. We haven't had one for about 18 months. Um, so it's great that we now have a, a, a safe place for women who are being abused to go and I support that totally. Uh, and it was great as a member of St Paul's to be there and say, yes, we support a community that will will stand up and say it's not acceptable for women to be abused physically, emotionally, financially. However, it's not right for women to be abused, but for this shelter, it's predominantly physically. I think it was interesting you sort of talking about in Castle Hill where we've got beautiful doors and behind those closed doors, there's a lot of, I guess, secrets that are kept and a lot of bad things that are happening. I remember Rob uh, Critchlow, the uh, Castle Hill superintendent, he mentioned uh, 16 suicides in the last... Yeah, I think I think he said that they had experienced 16 suicides in the last 10, 10 to 12 days, I think, from yeah, memory. So, and it was just quite shocking. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, they're quite uh, horrendous stats. Do you have stats? on domestic violence in our area or? Well, one thing that was said today is that the shelter will open, I believe it's um, on the 1st of December, which is next week, and it will be full the day it opens. Oh, really? Mm. Goodness me. Um, And this is the problem. There has been, um, there are a lot of calls in this area out to domestic violence situations and because there's not been a shelter, there's not been anywhere for the women to go. Mm. Yeah. Um. So it's going to open and it will be full. Mm. So as as um as members of St Paul's, um obviously we we uh, we at the moment we can't finance our own shelter. So how can we uh, be part of the community and how can we have a positive impact on what's happening in our community? So some of the things that we are looking at partnering and doing is um, well, for example. Um, already in the past week or so, members of our church have been to the refuge and to the halfway house and put up furniture. Um, we've put plates and knives in the kitchen, um, beds on uh, bedspreads, that sort of thing. Practically, um, I'd like to think that in the future we could um, go down there and 
um, help them if they needed cupboards being fixed and and things like that. Um, we would like to get um, welcome packs prepared mm. for the women yeah. so that a lot of the time they just walk out of their house in the clothes they're standing up in. Yeah. And so it would be really nice to be able to give even the women – you know, just some shampoo and some deodorant and a comb mm. and um, a nice towel mm. and some perfumed soap. We might just, as well throw in a City of Light CD there as well. Well, we probably could. <laughs> um, but then a lot of them will take children with them. So where are their kids going to get clothes yeah, from? Yeah, yeah. Toys and... Yeah, mm. but then they can only stay at the shelter for three months. So what happens to them after that? Mm. So I'm wondering whether we could... Um, help them move into rental accommodation, yep. whether we could um, get them involved in our play groups mm. and, and get, get them into the community mm. like that. Yeah, it's I, interesting. I haven't looked at the legal side of it. I, I'm just yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know, thinking of ideas off the top of my head at the moment. Mm. I, I guess that's the trouble, isn't it? Even once they – if they can get themselves out of, of a violent situation, which is so hard for, for some, so many of them anyway, like almost impossible a lot of the time, then they've still got to work out how to rebuild a life. Um, maybe they weren't at work because they were looking after kids or, or whatever. And like, it doesn't just stop once you get out of the, um, out of the you know, immediate danger. I mean, that's when the, you know, the hard yards really start. And that's where I'm probably thinking that we could be of most help mm. yeah. because in those first three months while they're in the shelter, they're probably well protected and well cared for. But when they have to become independent, at this um, blue, rib- uh, blue white ribbon breakfast this morning, um, a, a very, very brave lady who was the victim of horrific um, abuse spoke about the fact that her previous life was taken away from her mm. and she had to build a new life. Mm. Yeah. So I would think that one of the ways we may be able to get involved is helping these women to build their new life. Um, if, if we buy a new dinner set, don't throw the old one away because we could give them a dinner set so that they've got something to go. Um, I would think that and again, I haven't looked at the legalities and all those mm. sorts of things, but, you know, things that are good, let's not throw them away, but let's have them there so that when they need to go out into their own independent housing, we can give them beds and tables and yeah. washing machines that we don't want anymore, but have still got some use in them. Mm. I think that's the thing is if there's people are listening and they've, you know, got some things like that, um, come and speak to Karen, see, um, see where she's at, what things... She's found out that she may be able to give them um, and have a talk to her and see if there's things you can support them with. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I think as a church we've done a really good job with our partnership um, with Compassion and, and sponsoring children overseas and, and, and that's, there's a really big need there and it's great. It's such a great thing. But as I'm hearing you talk, I'm thinking, wow, just in our community, yeah. you know, our neighbours, um, the people that we, we walk past in the shopping centre and in the streets – um, there, there's a there's a mission field right there, isn't there? Absolutely, and that's why it's so important that we we just talk to our neighbours, that they get to know that our place is a safe place. So, what would happen if one of your neighbours knew that your house was a safe place, and they knocked on the door and said, "Hey, it's not safe at my place. Can mm. I come in?" Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. obviously, you wouldn't be on your own. You would need to get help, but there are people out there who are hurting, and we have to show them that we care. And more than anything, 
that we're prepared to, can I use the phrase, get dirty helping them? Yeah. yeah. Pretty often we in Australia, we like to stay clean when we help. Mm. You know, I'll give you $5. I'll give you $50. Um, I'll tell people about something, but but don't ask me to come and help you move or, mm. or don't ask me to take you to a doctor yeah. or don't ask me to come and visit you in hospital because that costs me something. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's that time thing, isn't it? It's that yeah. time investment, investing into people. Yeah. And if you look at like Jesus' ministry, it's, he, he was getting alongside people and eating with people and um, sitting with people. And it was all about relationships. Mm. And he never judged them. Yep. Have you seen that? He never judged them. Mm. He just said, hey, go and don't do it anymore. Yeah. You know, and I've come that you might have life in all its fullness. Mm. Yeah, we have to be Jesus to these people, absolutely. Mm. And we have to do it starting in our own church. Yeah. You know, you've said we, we help people overseas. Yep. We have to help people in our community. So we have to ha- start in our own church with the people who are our Christian family. Mm. Then we have to also do it to the people that we live with in our street, yep. the people that we work with. Mm. Um yeah, I, I I think that the the story that Jesus told of the Good Samaritan yep. tells us this, that, you know, Jesus didn't say, well, you only have to help people if they do everything right or if they don't make any mistakes or if they're of the same um, nationality or belief system as you. I think that story yeah, is Or really social economic status. Yeah. Or <laughs> social economic status or religion mm. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I think that story t- says that pretty clearly. Yeah, I mean, we like to, we tend to like to interact with and, and be around people that are similar to ourselves in those kind of departments. So uh, that's a real challenge, I think, for St. Paul's and for me personally, anyway, to to get out there and, and yeah, get my hands dirty, get get amongst the people that I, I live around and um, and take a few more risks, I guess, and also be a little bit more raw, a bit more authentic. You know, I don't have a perfect life, and and maybe. Uh, being more open about that is going to help other people open up as well so that we can have meaningful conversations. And I think too that when you have those relationships and it's always got to stay with, start with relationships and mm. trust, um, if, if you can sort of say, hey, I, I got this wrong, but, you know, Jesus is really helping me to mm. control my anger or to speak nicely to my kids or, or whatever it is because we've all got problems. If, if someone says, hey, I don't have any hang-ups, I have no problems, like, come on, really? We all have our weaknesses. We all have our strengths. If someone, if I have a strength and that's your weakness, I have no right to judge you because I have my own weaknesses, but they will be different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, we want people to come and hear about Jesus and they have to see real people. They have to see that they can bring their problems and their lifestyles and their their messy lives to Jesus because that's what he came for. Mm. And another thing I think, if I can just start talking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going. is um, some people are scared to talk to people because they don't know what to say. Yeah. So someone's just lost a child, for example. Mm. I don't know what to say. I, I, I don't want to say the wrong thing so I don't say anything. Mm, which is much worse than Which saying. is worse. Yeah. So I'm not saying just go in there and blunder and don't think about it, but maybe a comment like, hey, I've been thinking about you. I can't imagine what you must feel like, but I'm here. If you just need someone to be with you. Mm. 
And if you, they say, yeah, I, I just like you to come round. Yeah. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to fix anything. Making a cup of tea, I, I don't know, just be with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. be. So you, you don't have to have the answers, but you just have to say, I just can't imagine what it would be like. And I'd love someone just to be there for me. Mm. I think particularly for men, it's difficult to, when you don't know what to say, because you feel like if someone comes to you with a problem, you feel like you need to, to solve it, right? Um, I mean, I only bring my problems to people when I want them solved. Yeah. But I don't want them to just listen. Thing, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't want them to listen. Mm. I mean, I could, I don't, that doesn't get me anywhere. I want the thing solved. I think that's actually a really valid point. I think men do think that if anyone, be it female or male, talk to them, they've got to fix it. And you know what? We can't fix anything. Yeah. In care, we can't fix anything. Um, and, and you have to go into care with that attitude. You know what? God's the only one who can fix it. And the person's the only one who can actually instigate something to change this situation. Mm. But I can be there to show them that I love them, to show them that I support them and to walk with them. Yeah, you're right though, I guess, because if there's been a tragedy, you can't do anything to reverse that tragedy, right? All you can do is care for them. All you can do is love them, right? Yeah. And I guess that's the only thing that is of any, um, significant help to anyone when something horrible's happened. Because unless you can turn back time, what else is there other than love, right? You can't change anything. But you can be honest and say, I got no idea how you're feeling. But you know what? I just want to be here with you if you want me to. So, you know, that can be practical. Hey, can I go out and buy some Chinese takeaway so your wife doesn't have to cook? Um, Hey, can I drive you to the doctor if you need that. Hey, can I um, ring work and tell them, you know, can I can I do something to save you having to do it? Mm. Can I put the washing on the line? Look, anything mm. so that they don't have to do it. Yeah. If they say go away, sure, go away. And if they yell at you, don't think it's you. Mm. You know, they're, they're just angry. But, you know, Jesus just cared and loved people where they were and he knew that that they just needed to know someone loved them. You can't change. No one can change a situation. But sure, we can we can just walk with them and hold their hand and 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 just be there. I mean, I know that guys generally don't need to talk, but hey, you know, if he needs to mow the lawn, mow the lawn with him. If he needs to do something, just do it with him, and then you're there with him. Mm. Karen, I guess we've spoken quite a lot about how we can care for other people. Um, what about if you're in a situation right now where you're feeling like you're drowning? Um, maybe uh, it's, it's not easy for you to come and ask for help or, or, or you don't know where to go. Uh, for those people in the church like that, what would your advice to them be? This is where relationships come in. If you think you don't need another person, I'm fine, I'll never need another person. Sorry, but there will be always come a time when you need someone. So start developing your relationships now. Work on your relationships, the people that you trust. If you're in a situation now and you don't know who to go to, I would recommend going to a church. Come to St. Paul's and we'll do our best to look after you. There are good churches around every city. might not be the first one you go to, but... You know, if you have a neighbour, ask a neighbour. There are other community organisations. 
Um, if you have a, a mental health issue, Ring Beyond Blue. Um, for men, they're the men's sheds. A lot of community um, things. You need people. You have the choice of who you go to. And if you don't get what you want from the first place, keep trying. Another good place is just to go to your GP. Mm. Go to your GP, talk to your GP about your issue, whether it be um, depression, whether it be mental health issue, whether it be domestic violence. GPs are really good people at knowing where to refer you on to. Um, A hospital, walk into a hospital if there's a problem. If you um, are having thoughts of suicide, just go to your web browser and put in suicide and the numbers will come up. Mm. Ring someone. You need people. And you know what? That's how God made us. He made us to be in community. He knew that we needed people. We need people and we want to help people. You know, the people who are greatest in care, in my opinion, are those who've been through a difficult situation because it gives them a new view of going, now I know what it's like to go through. Now I know what I I had to go through. I want to help people who are going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. So if you are having a problem, if you're in a situation and you cannot see any light at the end of the tunnel, reach out to someone, maybe two or three people but you need to reach out to someone and tell them and there is help out there. There is no problem that is beyond redemption. There is no person, there is nothing you have done that is beyond redemption. We can walk with you and there will be people who will be prepared to walk with you as the matter is resolved. We can't change the situation. We can't change the problem or get you out of the situation but we can help you as you make your decisions of how you're going to handle your situation. Well, Karen, thank you so much for joining us on the 421. We look forward to seeing you around the building and saying good day. Um, and I hear that you're already an avid listener, so I hope you enjoy listening to yourself on the next episode. <laughs> I am an avid listener. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. We when got I, one. When I go to yes. the gym or when I walk, I always have my headphones in listening to you guys and chuckling away. But I'm really thinking... I won't listen to this one at all. <laughs> so I hope there's one or two of you out there who will. So we've dropped it, we've dropped the download right there. <laughs> well, no. still download it. Yeah. yeah. Just don't. But we just don't, care. don't listen to it. We don't it. care if you listen to it once you download it. <laughs> Thanks, Karen. Great. Cheers. See ya. All right, well, thanks for joining us on the 421. Hope yeah. you enjoyed that one. Yep, if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. And for those who are wanting to get involved in care ministry uh, and the work that uh, Karen's doing through St. Paul's, give the church a call. Yeah, for Jump sure. on the website, spch.org.au. Um, all of the uh, contact information and stuff will be in the podcast notes. Yeah, don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. By now, I think you know the handles. I don't know, should I say them? Sure. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to say them. Uh, at the 421 podcast. <laughs> Are you sure? So, yeah. everyone, everyone else knows it, but we yeah, don't. That's right. Yeah, right. That, we, that really was it. I don't know why I finished with the weird inflection. No worries. <laughs> Do maybe we link, to, we link to them in the notes? Sure, why not? Let, uh, yeah, let, yeah, don't type a question mark at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, thanks for joining us. Yeah. See you later. Bye.